Sunday school is downstairs if people want to go. If you want to go to Sunday school, I won't take offense. I remember your name. I remember your name. I'll remember you. Uh, the other thing I'll, I'll apologize for is that um, sometimes when you're teaching weekly on, on Thursday nights, I, I don't have a whole lot of time to, to study much else. Um, so I've been enjoying studying First Peter. And so when I'm trying to think about what to share, when I know I'm going to speak, my, the Lord just keeps bringing me back to First Peter because I've been studying it so much and looking at it. So uh, for those of you uh, that perhaps come to Thursday nights, you may hear some replays this morning. Um, and so I, I apologize for that, but um, if you're like me too, you may have probably forgotten all the things I said anyway on Thursdays, and so it might be a good, good reminder to hear them again. Okay? Um, so what I'd like to do is just take you through a couple of verses real quick. Take a look at Romans chapter 13, please. Romans chapter 13. And we're just going to uh, begin in verse 11. It says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Take a look at 2 Timothy, please. 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. And then turn to First Peter, please. First Peter. First Peter chapter four. First Peter four, verse seven says, but the end of all things is at hand. Do you believe that the end of all things is at hand? Do you believe that the climax of the ages is here? If you read the New Testament here, I believe that the end of all things is near. That it is at hand. Okay. 
If you believe that the end of all things is at hand, right, how does that cause you to live differently? How do we live differently in light of the fact that the end of all things is at hand? We are living in perilous times. Those things that we read about in 2 Timothy, do we not see those today? Right? They're evident all around us. And so, here Peter is going to give us some instructions on what to do. What do we do? As you see in your paper, what's the rationale? What are we supposed to do as believers when the end of all things is here? When we know that the climax of all the ages is here. It's kind of an exciting time, right? If you think about it, you think about all the history of man. Everything we read about in the Bible up until this point, we are at the climax of it. This is it. We are in one of the final dispensations. And so how do we live in light of that? Let's first, let's look to the Lord. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for Your precious Word. Um, We would ask that You would give us understanding this morning. We pray so that we may be able to um, glorify the name of Your Son uh, in and through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, There are five things, uh, six things, I'm sorry, six things we're going to look at as far as a rationale uh, for the end of all things. And so, our main uh, text here is going to be 1 Peter 4. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. Um, But before we even get there, we're just going to jump back a little bit. And we're going to look at one of the key elements to New Testament Christianity. I think this is one of the key elements, and I think it's going to be the one thing when we're talking about a rationale uh, for the end of all things. And he mentions it a little earlier here in chapter 3 of 1 Peter. Peter says this to his readers. He says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So if you're looking at your outline there for number one, the first one, rationale for the end of all things is to stay prepared. Stay prepared. Peter here says that uh, the end of all things is at hand. Uh, literally, at hand means right at the door. Okay, so he's not saying that it's even, you know, it's coming up. There's anybody. He's saying it's right here. It's right at the door. The end of all things. And for the readers of Peter, it very much was so. Okay, four years from the time that Peter's going to write this letter, Nero is going to die. And Nero, as many of you know, was not a very nice guy. Okay, and for some reason, as he knew that his time on earth was short, and as he was dying, his one wish was to kill as many Christians as he could. In fact, he loved to take Christians and kill them, put them on a stake, and light them on fire as torches along his street. And so, in a very real sense, the readers of 1 Peter here, the end for them was very near. Within the next four years, many of them were going to suffer, and they were going to die for the sake of Christ. But as we just read this morning, too, is that we are living in a time now where also the end is near. We live in a country, right, where we have luxury and and we're comfortable. And so a lot of times we don't think about that, right? We don't want to think about the end. right? But we know that it could happen like this, where you lose your freedom. You lose the luxuries that you have. Many believers around this world, they know what it means that the end is near. They live in the light of that fact. But we should also know that, brothers and sisters, listen, that no one knows the time, right? But in the twinkling of an eye, 
right? We'll be caught up together with him in the skies. Just like that, it'll be over, right? The, the climax of the ages will come, and that's it. And so one of the first things that Peter says here is that, listen, you need to stay prepared. I believe this is one of the essential elements to New Testament Christianity. And you'll see that on the side there is gospel readiness. Okay? You have to have gospel readiness. We're living in a time where the world is wondering if the end is near. And the world is looking, they have questions. Right? And Peter says, listen, can you imagine, um, you know, you've got these, um, these men and women who have come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior uh, in this time. Many of them were household slaves, household servants. And now, because they know Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're willing to serve their masters now. Uh, they're not talking badly about their harsh masters and things like that. And you think the masters are noticing that? Yeah, they're, they're probably noticing, what, what happened to my servants? What's going on with these slaves? They're different. They're joyful now. They're singing, right? And do you think that maybe they had questions? I think so. I think they may have started asking, hey, listen, what's different about you? Before when I used to beat you, you used to complain and you used to threaten me and curse. And, and now you don't do that anymore. And what's with this singing all the time? And what's with this rejoicing? Right? And so Peter says, listen, you better be ready to give an answer. You better be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Right? Their hope was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They knew that no matter what was going on at that time, many of them, I said, were enduring during harshness from unruly masters. Right? But they knew they could look to their hope. They had a hope, and, and Peter says, be ready to give an answer. Um, if you look at uh, the New Testament church here, right, and, and I'm, I grew up with this, I know exactly what this is like, is that we emphasize all the time Acts 2.42. We say they continued steadfastly, right, in breaking of bread, and in doctrine, and in prayer, and in fellowship, and we preach that, and we practice that, and we live that, amen. But do you know what happened right before that verse? It says three thousand souls were added that day. What happened before they continued steadfastly was the gospel. (laughs) You can't continue steadfastly in breaking of bread and doctrine and prayer and fellowship if there's no gospel. But they were gospel ready. Peter here, the author of this book, right? He says, follow me, Peter, and I will make you fishers of men. What a catch that day, right? Three thousand people got saved from Peter's preaching that day. 3,000. Can you imagine today if we could see 3,000 people get saved right here in Connecticut? That would be awesome. But I think the problem is a lot of times we're not, we're not ready. We're not prepared to give an answer. So often we're, we're caught fumbling over our words. We, we don't know what to say. Let me challenge you. Is that in light of the fact that the end of all things is near, you better get prepared. Okay? You need to be ready with the gospel. You need to know how to share it in such a way that the people that we live around here with, they understand it. Don't think that you can just say, well, Christ died for your sins according to Scriptures and He rose again the third day according to Scriptures. Yes, that's the Gospel. But we, Paul prays all the time, says, pray that I would have utterance of speech, that I'd be able to say it in such a way that they understand it, that I can reach them. A lot of times it has to do with having answers to their questions. That's why Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope. Okay? People are going to ask questions, brothers and sisters. They're going to ask questions. And are you ready? We have to stay prepared 
Right? Gospel readiness is so important. Romans chapter 1, verse 15. You don't have to turn there. I love this. This is what Paul says. Paul says, with all the fiber of my being, I am ready to share the gospel. Can you say that this morning? Okay. With all the fiber of your being, you are ready today. You walk out that door today and you are ready to share the gospel. If not, get prepared. Get prepared. We need to get back to the first principles of New Testament Christianity, and that is a zeal for the gospel. Do you have a zeal for the good news of Jesus Christ? The second rationale is going to go back to 1 Peter chapter 4 here. Verse 7, Peter says, The end of all things is at hand, therefore. Right? Therefore. What do we do in light of the fact that the end of all things is at hand? The first thing Peter says here, he says, stop playing. Stop playing. That will be number two on your sheet there. Okay, first is stay prepared. Two, stop playing. He says here, be sober. Right? Be sober, he says here uh, in verse, uh, verse 7. In fact, in the New King James, it says, be serious. Right? Be serious. In fact, you'll see that over to the right of that. We need to have a serious mindset. Okay? A serious mindset. If we know that we're in the climax of the ages, that the end of all things is at hand, it is time to stop playing games. I'm not saying that you can't go out there and play nine square and we can't have fun. Of all people, you know me. Right? I love to have fun. Okay? But when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to things of the Lord, we've got to stop playing games. Okay? It is time to be serious. And we can't afford anymore. No, no one at any time could ever afford, but especially now. Right? I don't know if you've done this. I, I did this many times in college is that you have a paper that's due on a certain date, or there's an exam that's due a certain day, and I tend to procrastinate. And so the end of the time that I had was drawing near, right? And so there have been a, may have been a night a week prior that it was due that I planned on doing something, but some friends said, hey, listen, we're going to go out tonight. You want to come? And I'd say, well, I still got a week. Okay, and I'd go out. But there got to a point where, right, there was no more playing games. I had to take a serious mindset. It was time to start writing or start studying or start, you know, Getting ready for that. Guys, the, the end of all things is at hand. It, you don't have time anymore to play around. It is time to get serious. In fact, this word here, be serious or be sober, means clear-headed. Clear-headed. Get your head clear. Have a serious mindset. So often we read in the Bible, right, but you know, not to be conformed to this world, but be renewed by the transforming of your mind. The mind is so important. Right? And getting serious about the things of the Lord. And so he says here, get clear-headed. Great beginning to this that Peter has here, right? Of all the things, now, you're going to hear me repeat this over and over. One of the things that I loved about studying this and looking at this is that if someone were to say, hey, listen, the end of all things is at hand. Here's what you need to do. There are so many other things that I would have thought of other than what Peter says here. Okay? There are so many other things that I think, like, man, I, I would think that's important. But here, Peter lays out for us, these are the things that are important to the Lord. And the very first one on top of this list here that he has is to get serious. Okay? Stop playing games. Third thing, third thing we read here that he says, and 
Be watchful in your prayers. Watchful in your prayers. Uh, There we're going to be strengthened. Strengthened prayer. I know we all pray. And I think the readers uh, uh, um, of Peter's letter here, I think they pray too, but, but Peter is trying to bring them into another dimension of prayer. He's saying, listen, I want you to be watchful in your prayers. And that's what that word is there uh, to the right of that. If you want, we want vigilant prayer. Okay, vigilant. A lot of times when we pray, we are not praying with the mindset that Christ is coming. <laughs> and that's the idea here. We need to be watchful in our prayers. Remember when Jesus was in the garden, he tells them to what and pray? Watch and pray. Why is Jesus telling them to watch and pray? Right? And other portions, again, all the time saying, watch and pray, watch and pray. Why can't we just pray? Why can't we just bring our request before God, right? Make our supplication before Him. What is this idea of watching and praying? What's this idea of being vigilant in our prayers? Well, there's at least two reasons in the Bible that tell you why you should. Uh, one, the Lord Jesus says, watch and pray, or you might fall into temptation. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, my kids, they'll tell you this, is that I'm a, I'm a stickler about um, when we pray around the table, I tell them to close their eyes, bow their heads, and fold their hands. And I've explained to them why I do that. It's not for any biblical reason other than you guys are easily distracted. Okay? And, and, and there's something to say about that, is that when we pray, we've, it's got to be concentrated prayer. You can't be distracted. Okay? But at the same time, I don't know if any of them are listening right now, if they're smart, they could just say, next time I say, hey, listen, close your eyes, they could say, Dad, I'm watching and praying. Okay? I'm watching and praying. Because there is this idea of, listen, you're watching, you're, you're anticipating the Lord's return. You see, the second reason why we watch and pray, the Bible says, is that lest the Lord's coming takes you unawares. That's a sad testimony, right? Can you imagine if the Lord were to come tomorrow and you weren't ready? You weren't watching for His coming. Right? The prodigal son, one of the things I loved is that that father always was what? He was always watching. He was always looking, waiting for his son's return. Okay? And we should have that same mindset, is that we should be anticipating, we should be watching and looking for the Lord's return while we're praying. Okay? He says, be watchful in your prayers. Be watchful. You know, um, do not neglect prayer. <laughs> prayer is so important. And I know we've heard this so many times, but, um, you know, we, we can run around, right, in a frenzy of activities. And we're so good at this, right? We're so good at just running around in a frenzy of activities. Um, and, and all spiritual things, Right? But if you run around in a frenzy activity, you will accomplish nothing. Nothing. If you are also not in absolute dependence of God. Expressed in believing prayer. You know, do you believe that? You will not accomplish anything. If you want to accomplish things for God's glory and light at the end of all things at hand, you have to pray. You have to. You cannot neglect prayer. And we're not talking about giving thanks for your food uh, before you eat. We're not talking about you, you know, thanking the Lord for your day as you lay down in bed. We're talking about concentrated, set-aside appointment prayer. You have to do it. And if you don't have a habit of doing that now, if you think that you're going to go home today and set aside a half hour and pray, you won't be able to do it. I've tried it. 
Okay? If you want to have a life of prayer where you are a prayer warrior, you're going to have to train yourself. You're going to have to say, okay, I'm going to set this time aside, this day, this night, and I'm going to pray for five minutes. And you watch how hard it is to just pray, concentrated prayer. And then you could try ten minutes. Maybe try twice a week. Try whatever it is. But you've got to set aside a time to do it in light of the fact that the end is near, brothers and sisters. We have to be watchful in our prayers. And so, not only do we need to stay prepared, right? And one of the essential elements of uh, New Testament Christianity is gospel readiness. We need to stop, um, stop playing, right? We have to have a serious mindset. We need to have strength in prayer. Well, that is, that's vigilant prayer. We need to be those who are watching and praying, lest we fall into temptation or lest the Lord's coming catches us unaware. Look what... Uh, Peter says here in verse 8, again, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, he says, above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Here, number four, show passion. Show passion. What does it mean to have fervent love? Fervent love. You can write down fervent love if you want for that, but what I was thinking of there is unreserved. That's what that word means. Unreserved love. We're really good at showing reserved love, which means that I'll love you as long as I receive it back. Right? Or I'll love you as long as it's easy to love you. Okay? It's a reserved love. It's reserved for those that we feel like loving. This here, Peter says, no, no, this is an unreserved love. It is a fervent love. In fact, uh, it means to love one another at full strength. At full strength. Now, you think about this again. I mean, the Lord's coming back, right? You could th- hear the readers maybe saying, Peter, I don't have time for that. If the Lord is coming back and, and the end of all things at hand, I don't have time to love my brother and sister. Right? I mean, don't, shouldn't we be doing other things, Peter? Peter says, no. No, the end of all things at hand. Therefore, and above all things, even above everything else that we've already talked about, or we're going to talk about, he says, have passion for one another. Love each other to the fullest amount of strength that you can. So how do we apply that? Well, one, for many of us who are married, how are you doing with your spouse? You loving her with full strength? You loving him with full strength? What a great thing just to do in, in, in light of the fact that the end of all things at hand, maybe you could make a commitment to yourself. Say, you know what? I'm going to love my wife fervently. You know what? Knowing that Christ could come any day, I'm going to love my husband with all my strength. That's what I'm going to do. But your children, right? right? Love your children fervently. But certainly I think uh, Peter here is talking about right each other, right? <laughs> we need to... Love each other. This is great. Um, I think I shared this on that Thursday night when we were doing this, but um, I'll share it with you. I think it's a great reminder. right? Because the reason why we need to have unreserved love for each other is because we're really difficult to love. Okay? We're, we make it difficult, each and every one of us. We, we, we do things, we say things uh, that annoy us, that irritate us. Um, and sometimes it could just be a personality thing, but sometimes the, the character of the person is flawed. It's wrong, and it's hard to do that. 
But here's what we need to remember, and we need to show as we need to show fervent love for one another. Know that that we are living with people who are not perfect yet. Okay, we cannot forget that. Okay, right now this community that we have here at Brainerd Bible Chapel, there's actually not one person in our community who's perfect yet. Okay, we're not. Okay, and you got to remind yourselves that the next time that brother or sister says something or do something, and you're like, you know what? I'm not perfect yet either. We are not perfect yet. And that's why we need to have unreserved love for each other. James is great, right? It says if you uh, restore a sinner, right, um, that you can actually cover what? A multitude of sins. How often we need that, right? When we see a brother or sister and they're having a hard time, you know what, maybe they've sinned, right? Um, they're, they're experiencing the consequences of that sin and and, and they're just discouraged, right? Man, how great is it for you to come in there and fervently love that brother or sister, right? Restore them, right? Let them know that they're loved, they're cared for, right? The Bible says you cover a multitude of sins when you do that. We need to show passion, right? We need to have unreserved love for one another. So listen, again, if someone annoys you, right? Uh, somebody irritates you, hopefully love will cover that. Love will cover that up. Not only that, look what he says here in verse 9. And he says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. So number five on your sheet there, share possessions. Share possessions. We've talked about this before, hospitality, right? Um, Hospitality is important. We need to... um, Share our homes. We need to, if you think about anything you possess, share your resources, share your time. Okay? Hospitality is this. You share your life. You share your life. Your life is not your own. Okay? You need to be willing to share all that you have. That's everything. Okay? With those that God has put into your life. Alright? It's so, so critical, so important to be hospitable. But not only that, he adds something to it, doesn't he? He says, be hospitable without grumbling. Be hospitable without grumbling. I've had people stay at my house. Um, and I have to confess that uh, while they were there and after they left, I grumbled. I grumbled. They, they, they were not the people that I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be the perfect mold of who was going to stay with me and that they weren't going to touch things that they weren't supposed to touch and they weren't going to eat my favorite food or drink that I really wanted or whatever it was. Okay? But listen, you know, if you're willing to share at your house with other people, okay, you got to do it without grumbling. And so you can put that there for number uh, five to the right. We're looking for rejoicing hospitality. It's got to be rejoicing. Okay? It's no good if you're going to be hospitable and just grumble about it the whole time and complain about it. All right? We want rejoicing hospitality. Now, again, are these the big issues to do when the end is at hand? And I just kept asking myself as I'm reading this study, are these the big issues? Peter's saying what? Yes! These are big issues. Brothers and sisters, the end is at hand, and this is one of the things that you need to concentrate on. Be hospitable without grumbling. Listen, the end was not going to be easy for Peter's readers, as I just already mentioned to you. Uh, it was going to be very, very difficult. In fact, Peter describes it as a fiery trial. They were going to go through the furnace, so to speak. And it was going to be very difficult. And you know, uh, many of us can 
and understand that we as people, right, when we know that we're going to go through something difficult and we know that perhaps there's an end coming, right, what do we typically do? Well, we typically hoard our resources, right? We typically look out for number one, which is ourselves. I still remember Y2K. Y2K, you remember, those that were around then, is that everybody started stocking up their basements and, and everything. And I was just wondering, I was kind of younger then, but I was like, how many of us were thinking of other people during that time? Now, here's Y2K coming. We don't know what's going to happen when it turns 2000. Were we thinking about, hey, listen, you know, let's get ready to have people over. You know, let's get ready to, to take care of each other. And the mindset I remember was a lot of people were thinking about, number one, they were thinking about themselves. Hey, we've got to make sure we've got enough water to last the next two years. You know, um, but we, we tend to do that. And this is not what Peter says, right? Peter says, share your possessions, share them with each other. You know, um, there, there's so many times that people are still kind of confused about this because, you know, we have we ask you to sign up for meals and, and we ask you to be hospitable. And I hear people still say that, oh, well, that's not for me. You know, that, that's someone else. No. The command is for everybody. Everyone is supposed to be hospitable. So, again, it's, it's like you don't understand how you can do it. Uh, I, my family, as you know, I, I'm not going to be able to take you to Ruth's Chris house. Okay? I, I just can't do that. I don't have the means to do that. Okay? But we've had tremendous ministry over a big white pizza. Okay? We've had tremendous ministry. Sit, just sitting around a terrible tasting cheap pizza. Okay? Because it's not about that, right? It's about coming together and sharing with one another. Listen, Hebrews says, right? Do not forsake the assembling of one another as some are in the habit of doing. What does it say? And all the more as you see what? The day approaching. Brothers and sisters, the end is at hand. We have to get together. You cannot forsake the assembling of one another. We need each other. We need each other. And we need to do it rejoicing, rejoicing with each other. You remember Priscilla and Aquila, right? Right. There was Apollos, and he was teaching, and uh, some of the things he says weren't quite straight. And so Priscilla and Aquila was great. They they invited him over and said, "Hey, Apollos, what you said there was not quite right." You know what he did? He didn't say, "Oh man," he wasn't offended, he wasn't insulted. He he received it as love, and he said, "Oh, thank you." You know. So here, Priscilla and Aquila, a wonderful example of a married couple that saw someone who needed a little correction. Right? And they didn't just go out there and call him out on it. They, they invited him over and said, hey, listen, let's sit down and talk about this. You know? I've learned that even my own self in the years that um, I've been in leadership here. Is we've called some people over there to talk to them, and I learned, you know what? That was a bad decision. You know? We should have had them over. Sit down. Have, a, have something to eat or drink and say, listen, here's what we want to share with you. Okay? There's a way that we can do it uh, in love. Okay? And so, listen, brothers and sisters, if you think New Testament Christianity is getting together on Sunday morning. You are sorely mistaken. The early church, it says they met from house to house. That's how they met. Even uh, Paul himself, right? Paul warned them publicly many times, house to house. We need to get together over each other's houses. We need to do so. And then lastly, um, Peter says here, as each one has received a gift... Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In light um, of the fact that the end of all things is at hand, we are to serve people. 
God has called you to serve. And here he's talking about the gifts that God has given you. And so to the right there, what we're talking about is faithful stewardship. Faithful stewardship. Um, when you consider that the gifts that God's given you, he has made you a steward of them. Right? It puts a little more responsibility on that. Okay? You're going to have to give an account for what God gave you. Do you realize that? Okay? There's accountability there. A lot of times we don't want to talk about that when it comes to gifts. Right? But he says right here that you are to use your gifts right, as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you received a gift or gifts. Okay? And so, so many times, you know, we've talked about this last few years, right? Um, many people say, well, I, I don't know what my gift is, right? Or we say we have no gifts, right? And so let me put it this, uh, this way, too, is that if you say you have no gift, right, or you're not using a gift, it means that you're using your energy on something else. Maybe you're climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, maybe you are uh, interested in a hobby, um, or what it is, but you're exerting the energy that God gave you on something other than what He gave you. I would encourage you. Hey, if you say you have no gift or you don't know what your gift is, you better discover what gift God's given you and put your energy into that. God has given you a gift for a reason. You know, so many times we, we think the gift is for personal use. Hey, the gift is not for personal use. The gift is for the benefit of the whole body. And if you're not using it, you're not benefiting the body. I remember, I think it was a Father's Day or a birthday or something like that. My wife gave me a gift. It was a waffle maker. That waffle maker was not for my personal use. Okay? That was for the benefit of my family. Okay? And ever since then, I have to make waffles now, you know, when we do that. Right? God has given you a gift. And it's not for your own personal use. It's for the benefit of the body. Are you being a faithful steward with what God has given you? Again, to me, I'm like, is this the big thing? In light of the fact that the end is at hand, this is a big thing. God, use my gift? Yes. Yes, use your gift. Minister to the body. Serve the body, wherever you may be. Because the end is at hand. Brothers and sisters, there is a day of reckoning. There is a day of accountability where you will have to give an account for what God gave you. Hey, are you a good steward of the manifold grace of God in light that the end is near? And we certainly see here that he describes there's two categories of gifts. There's the speaking and the serving. Um, and for time's sake, we're just going to skip that for now. So let's get to the practical part really quickly here. Um, does anybody need me to repeat any of those six? Got all the six? So we'll repeat one more time. Is that we need to stay prepared, right? Gospel readiness. Uh, we need to uh, stop playing, have a serious mindset. We need strength in prayer, which we said is a vigilant prayer. We need to show passion, which is an unreserved love. We need to share possessions, which is a rejoicing hospitality. And we need to serve people, uh, which is faithful stewardship. All right. So what? Oh, what? All right. You have five things there I'd like you to write down if you can. If you can't do it now, try to do it this week. Number one, we've got a minute here to go. I would like you to write down one person that you're going to share the gospel with this week. Okay? And if you're not ready, if you're not prepared to share the gospel with that person, then do so. Okay? Do some homework. 
Get prepared. Write some verses down that you're going to share with them. Okay? And you're thinking of someone in your mind right now. Probably someone came to your mind. Think about, okay, how can I communicate it to them in a way that they understand it? Okay? Are they an Italian Catholic? Okay? Uh, are they an atheist? Okay? Um, are they younger? Are they older? Okay? There's a lot of different things you've got to take into consideration when you go to communicate with them the gospel. And I'm just saying one person, one person this week that you're going to communicate the gospel to. All right? And parents, you can't pick your kids. Okay? All right. Number two, I would like you to pick a day and a time, all right, that you're going to make an appointment with God to pray. Okay? I don't even want you to bring your Bible. Okay? This is going to be an appointment that you're going to make with God just to talk to Him. Just to pray. May I suggest, at least for my own sake, that you write some things down that you want to pray about. Because you're going to find after about two minutes, you're going to be like, um, I don't know what to pray for. Okay? It's hard. Okay? Concentrated prayer. Okay? Vigilant prayer. Alright, number three. Think of someone, if you can, this is a little more difficult, and we can actually combine the next two if you want, but I, um, think of someone uh, that you are going to show love to. Um, and, and the reason I'm saying this might be a little difficult is that, you know, certainly I challenged you before about your spouse and your children, and that's great, um, but think about someone that may um, not reciprocate that love as well. In other words, in order to show unreserved love, sometimes you're going to have to Show love to someone that it's not so easy. Not so easy. So that one might be a little challenging for you, but I'm sure that you can think of a way that you can show love. And whether it's, um, you know, inviting you know, someone over, that's why I said it could be combined with this next one. The next one is, I'd like you to get together with someone. Okay? Number four is, pick a family, pick a person, I don't care. You can go out to eat, you can have them over your house, um, whatever you want to do. But get together with someone from this assembly. Okay? Um, and like I said, that could go with the one before. Maybe it's someone that you really want to show love to and you just you want to have them over or take them out. That's fine, too. You can combine three and four if you want to. Okay? But I want you to show hospitality to someone this week. And then lastly, uh, it's actually just a question. Okay? And you don't have to answer it right now. If it comes to your mind, you can write it down. But I would like you to ask yourselves, what are you spending your energy on? Hey, if we know that in light of the end here, that we are to serve one another and we're to use our gifts to benefit the body, and if you're not doing that, then what are you doing? You may want to just check yourself and say, well, you know, what am I spending all my energy on? Am I spending all my energy on, on my job? Am I spending all my energy on this hobby that I have? What is it that you're putting all your time and energy to where you could be putting it into developing the gift that God gave you for the benefit of Branford Bible Chapel here? I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to go right to corporate prayer. All right. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that your grace is sufficient. Um, we know that these things, uh, they seem simple, um, but Lord, they're not. Um, and, and when we think of the end of all things, these might not be the things that we feel are, are the important things to do. And yet, um, you tell us here, uh, through your servant Peter, that these are the things that we should be doing. Um, in light of the fact that the end of all things is at hand. And so, Lord, we just uh, pray for understanding. Pray that you would help us to be committed to some of these things this week um, and uh, that perhaps it would establish some habits in our own lives um, so that we may better glorify you uh, in the name of your Son. Uh, we pray these things. Amen.